This is Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, host of the podcast. We've also got Rochelle Smith with us. She's producer of this podcast and Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner, a certified financial fiduciary, and a retirement income certified professional. And Rochelle, I was working on an outline for the show and I kept writing the word taxes. And you know what I kept thinking? I think instantly of Sean, to be quite honest. Sean, well, Sean is a CPA and at one point in his life filed taxes. Now he's a retirement planner for Merkel Retirement Planner. But what I kept thinking was, Lauren is going to love this script. He is going to love this script. That's what I kept thinking when I was working on it. That's a good thought. And? I like it. I like it a lot. Wait, you can't go, you can't go all the way to love. <laughs> well, you just can't. You well, just won't. Well, it loves strong, right? And, and I, I feel like there's love a, is strong. I, I feel like there's another level of commitment with the word love. Okay, that feels like a whole nother. I have some other comments. Yeah, well, okay, that's a deep dive we could take, but let's stick but with taxes. I, I, I do strongly like the script. You strongly, I, wow! I think he almost half smiled oh. there. Oh my god! Because Lauren, you love talking about taxes. In all seriousness, I thought. I'm going to put together a script. We're going to work on content that's about taxes. Lauren loves talking about taxes. Today, we're going to focus on 10 types of retirement income and how they get taxed. And you know what else we're going to focus on, Lauren? Why you should care. And that's why I love talking about taxes. It's not because taxes are so exciting. And, you know, let's talk about what the state of Iowa did this year from a tax standpoint or what state of Georgia is doing from a, a retirement income state tax or what the federal government's doing from a tax standpoint, but let's talk about what your potential tax savings opportunity is over the the course of your retirement. What most people don't realize is you will have a retirement tax bill. Now, that's not the revelation. The revelation is is what size of retirement tax bill you're really going to have. And sometimes when I give this example, people are really floored by the type or the amount of tax you're going to have to pay over the course of your retirement. So let's just say you have a million-dollar pre-tax 401k plan or IRA. That's a million dollars you've never paid taxes on before. If you look at the yearly tax that you will pay, just taking out distribution. So I'm not talking about engaging in any type type of tax planning, just going along your way, taking out distributions that you need for income. And then of course, once you get to required, required minimum distribution age, you're going to be mandated to take out distribution. So just adding up the yearly tax over the course of a 20 year retirement, your retirement tax bill could be about 50% of what the starting retirement. I don't want to hear that. So if we do some quick math, 50% of $1 million, everybody together. I got it. 500,000. Which is sickening. It's sickening. If you're on the cusp of retiring, you're trying to get put together a retirement plan and you're looking about how you're looking at how much you actually get to spend from your million dollar savings. It took you 30, 35, 40 years to save that money. And then you look at what your retirement tax bill could be associated with that million dollar portfolio. It's, it's sickening. So the reason I love talking about taxes is because. He said love. He did say Sorry, I, I, mean, I, I do did try not. Love. I do try not to interrupt him. You know what? I feel like sometimes, Lauren, it has to come from you, not me. So, <laughs> yep, yep, so, it sure does. So, so, you, but you, I just proved my point. You know, you know me well, Molly. You, it, it does have to originate with me. <laughs> the reason I, I talk about taxes so frequently is because of the opportunity that you have in decreasing your retirement tax bill. So, if that's you, if you have a million dollars, if you have one point five, if you have five hundred thousand dollars, you've never paid taxes on before, 
you know you're going to pay taxes on it. The only question is, is how much? And what kind of strategies can you implement between now and maybe the next 10 years to decrease that overall tax bill? So today we want to talk about 10 types of retirement income and how they're taxed, but also how this all fits into a comprehensive retirement plan. So let's get state taxes out of the way, because what we want to do really is focus on federal taxes. But I think it's worth telling, talking about state taxes just a little bit, Lauren, because we know that people all over the country listen to this podcast and they're planning for retirement are already in retirement. So state income taxes, of course, vary by state, but we know that there are 12 states that don't tax retirement income. And Iowa just joined that group. So Iowa makes up one of those 12 states. And just recently, as of 1231 of 2022, uh, retirees age 55 plus do not have to pay state tax on the retirement income. So what that means is any distributions, any income that that Iowans receive from IRAs, pre-tax IRAs, pre-tax 401k plans, pensions will not be subject to tax at the state level. And there's many other states that have their tax code set up in a very similar fashion. And then there's also many other states that aren't necessarily state tax free, but they do give some breaks to retirees. And interestingly enough, some of those states that give breaks to retirees have really high property taxes. So if you're thinking about maybe moving in retirement and you see the the bright lights and the flashing no retirement income, do some research. There's some good, I found some good websites out there where you can kind of look at the big picture. You want to look at property taxes as well. Yeah. When we think about, and when we build our plans for the families that we work with, we, we talk about spendable income. So it's not necessarily as, uh, about what you bring in, what you make. It's about what you get to keep. It's about what you actually get to spend towards your lifestyle. So whether you're paying income tax or you're paying property tax or you're, you have other cost of living expenses that are higher or lower in any particular geographic region, all of that should be considered because uh, whether the property tax is low or higher, the state income tax is low or higher, or non-existent, it's all about of the $100,000 that you need in income, how much of that $100,000 per year do you actually get to spend? Okay, but guess what? No matter where you live in the United States, guess what you are subject to, Rochelle? What? Federal taxes. You cannot get away from federal taxes. You know you're going to have to pay taxes. That, that, I mean, you have money saved that you never paid taxes on before. Federal tax, you will have a federal tax bill. It's just a matter how much. And that's where the planning, that's where the strategy really comes into play. And for the families that we work with, we address the tax planning strategies really from day one of, of when we initiate the planning. Because every 1231, so every December 31st that, that goes by, and you don't have an intentional tax plan set up that is executed and devised according to you and your situation, that could be a wasted year. Most of the, most, of the most effective tax planning strategies you have to incorporate in that calendar year. There's a lot of people that say, well, I have up until I file taxes the following year to make a contribution, deduct it on my taxes. Yes, that is one strategy, but that's not going to move the ball very much forward for you. Uh, The most effective strategies you have to implement before the calendar flips over to the next year. Yeah, the most effective strategies aren't annual strategies. They're actually several years out. You guys 
again, start talking about taxes when you first meet with people, but you're looking at their tax picture 10, 20 years into retirement. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we might be implementing the strategies in the current year, but the benefits received from those strategies that you implement today probably are not going to be realized for many years down the road. And for some of you, you're going to realize some benefits from that. uh, And then your beneficiaries could realize some benefits from that. What we, what we look at is what is, what is your total retirement tax bill while you're alive, but also what is the tax bill as you try to transition whatever's left over to your loved ones and to your charities. And sometimes those tax bills can be significantly different. Of course, you care about it when when you're alive because the less you pay in taxes, the more you're going to have in spendable income, but you still... Let's say, let's say you pass away, you have $500,000 left over. You've never paid taxes on before. That's a lot. That $500,000 represents a lot of work, a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline in saving that money. So you still want that money to transition to your loved ones in the most efficient way possible. And there is a tax bill that is associated still with that $500,000. And now it's about incorporating strategies to minimize that tax bill. So you have a a retirement tax bill, but then you also have a tax bill potentially that you still have left to pay. Your estate still has left to pay or your kids still have left to pay once you do pass. And all the strategies that we create and implement should be targeted towards your retirement tax bill, but then also once you're gone. 10 types of retirement income and how they're taxed. Number one, traditional IRAs and 401ks. These are accounts that you've never paid tax on these monies before. So when you take this money out, you will be subject to tax and you will be subject to tax at whatever your ordinary income level is. So when you retire, you have grown accustomed to a certain lifestyle that you enjoy. You're still going to need to support that lifestyle. Whatever monies you need to take out of your 401k plans and your IRAs to help you enjoy that lifestyle will be subject to tax. Let's say you retire and you don't need to take money out of your IRAs because you have other income sources that is fueling your lifestyle. At some point when you hit RMD age, and that age is a little bit different depending upon when you were born, you will be mandated to take distributions. Now that time is what we call the tax torpedo. Insert torpedo noises. And that might sound like a lot of fun, but it's really not because what that means is now you're mandated to take out distributions from your IRAs and 401k plans, pay taxes on those distributions. And at that particular point in time, so for some of you, that's going to be age 70 and a half. For some of you, it's going to be 72, 73. And then for some of you who are really young, it might even be age 75. But at that point in time, regardless of what age that is for you, you've already taken your Social Security. So that money could be subject to tax. If you have a pension, you've already taken your pension income. You're not going to turn off those sources of income, which now this tax torpedo, what it means is you have a minimum level of income. Most of it is subject to federal tax that you can never turn off, which means that now you're in a minimum tax rate. That's your floor tax rate that you're never going to sink below. The only way that that tax rate can go lower is if you spend all or a substantial amount of your investment accounts, which for many of you, you don't want to do that prematurely because then you're going to, you're going to run out. Or if the federal government decreases the tax rates. <laughs> what are the chances Why would of you that? laugh at that? Why I would picked you laugh? up on that. Your first response was a chuckle. Most people's first response is probably a chuckle to that comment. Or a hell no. (laughs) Or a hell no. Because most people think that tax rates are going to go up, certainly before they go down, based on the fact we're already in a a historically low tax rate environment. 
And it's these IRAs and 401ks that a lot of people can relate to, Lauren, because that's where they've, a lot of people have put a lot of their retirement savings in. And when you get to 60, 65, these are, these are large accounts. These, these are what you plan to live off in retirement. And that's why in the Journey to Retirement online workshop, you guys spend so much time on this tax torpedo because though it feels like the tax torpedo is coming, there are actually some things you can do to pay less in taxes with this money you've worked hard to save. Sometimes uh, we talk to families who have already retired for the very first time. And one of the pieces of feedback that some of them will give me is like, we've already retired. The strategy is already in place. Our tax bill is already locked in. There's not much that we can do. Well, on the contrary to that, in fact, for many of you, the first full calendar year that you retire could be one of those uh, best years that you can incorporate some of these tax planning strategies and then they're on after all the way up until RMD age. So it doesn't really matter how old you are. If you have five years left prior to retirement, if you've been retired for two years, uh, even some of the families that we work with who are post RMD age can are still employing these tax saving strategies. Uh, and that's why the customized approach is so necessary. And that's why I like what we do from the online journey to retirement workshop is we use a hypothetical retire retiree couple john and sue and we show you specific strategies that they incorporate to help save money over the course of their retirement on their tax bill so john and sue's tax bill retirement tax bill savings is a six figure savings that's impressive it's very impressive. So really the way I look at it is you have a couple options. You can just continue to go down the path, take distributions as you need to, uh, just kind of say, you know, you're going to pay taxes. Uh, you, you've, you've saved some money, so take it out and live the lifestyle. Or you can be really intentional with your tax plan and it's potential you could have a six-figure-plus retirement tax bill savings just like John and Sue. If you heard six-figure savings and you thought, I want to see what that looks like, I've got a great opportunity for you. It's our complimentary online journey to retirement workshop. You can go to retirewithmerkel.com and sign up for the workshop today. There is a link in the show notes, and you can see exactly how John and Sue save a lot of money on taxes. Let's continue talking about how some of these retirement income streams are taxed. Number two, Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. For many retirees, the Roth IRA and Roth 401k plan are their most coveted investments over the course of their retirement because you have complete flexibility on when you take the money out of those accounts and you don't have to pay federal taxes on them. That's the big, the big win there. So when you put money into the Roth side of the 401k or even the Roth IRA, it's after tax. So you've already paid taxes on that money. You will not be taxed on that money again. And then any qualified Roth IRA or 401k distributions, you will not be taxed on the growth. So one of the strategies that a lot of retirees will incorporate is how do we get the money from the pre-tax side to the Roth side in the most tax efficient way? And that's where some of these strategies post-retirement or even while you're working for many of you can be really effective to put your pre-tax money into the Roth IRA. Once the money is underneath that Roth IRA, IRA, whether it's due to contribution or conversion, it is safe from future tax rate hikes. One of the things, uh, if it's January 1st of 2026, is federal tax rates are scheduled to go up. It's already in legislation, so there would actually have to be legislation that's passed for rates not to go up starting January 1st, 2026. 
any of the money that's underneath the Roth is insulated not only from that tax hike, but any rate hikes that may come down the road. So one of the most coveted buckets of retirement money is the Roth 401k and Roth IRA, and you want to make sure that you protect those and add to it in a very responsible way, pre-retirement, even post-retirement. Another nice thing about it is you can spend it when you want. There's no required minimum distribution. Yeah, you have more control. And that's what we really like about the Roth is you can take it out if you want to, as long as it's qualified distribution, but you're not forced to. So at 70 and a half, 72, 73, 75, like the pre-tax IRA or 401k plan, you're not mandated to take those distributions out. So you have a lot more flexibility and control over that most important source of your retirement income. What about that Roth 401k? Maybe for a little bit younger listener who's deciding, should I be investing in the Roth 401k or the other 401k? Because one of the big ways that the 401k is kind of sold is you get to deduct that amount from your income, you'll pay less in taxes. Yeah, some some people would call that the big lie of the federal government for the last 40 years. Uh, you've probably seen articles that are, are positioned that way, where the pre-tax 401k plan was sold to us as this this fantastic retirement savings vehicle. And by the way, I think it has been, and it has been the reason why a lot of people can retire and enjoy the lifestyle they want to. But the lie that's referenced in a lot of these articles is that you're going to end up saving money on taxes, uh, meaning that you're not going to pay money on the contributions going in. You're going to defer taxes till later down the road. But what happens, and a lot of of retirees are realizing this right now, is you're taking money out of this big pot of of resource, investment resource that you've been saving for 40 years and now it's ballooned into this fantastic amount. You take money out of it and you're paying taxes at your ordinary income and it is costing you a significant amount of tax. For most of you, however, it's been the vehicle that's allowed you to put yourself in the position where you can retire. The Roth IRA, the Roth, the Roth IRA hasn't been available for all that long. In fact, it just started in 1998. So if prior to 1998, you didn't have the ability to contribute into a tax-free vehicle like the Roth. The Roth 401k plan has really only come on the scene strongly over the last five to six years. So the Roth 401k plan has not been a great vehicle for many of you for many years to contribute. But for young people, now's the opportunity. Now's the, they, they don't have to, your kids don't have to have all this pre-tax money that they, they can take out and pay taxes down the road. They can use the Roth IRA. They can use the backdoor Roth. They can use the Roth 401k plan. And uh, just imagine, just imagine if you have a million dollar IRA right now, you've never paid tax, taxes on before, you're in a situation where you do have this huge retirement tax bill. But if you flip that over to a million dollar Roth that's, ha- that's tax free, now you can take all of that money out and use and spend it all as opposed to paying out the IRS. That's the position your kids could be in. So flip your tax bill on its side and that's the position that your kids have an opportunity to be in. And whether or not they're able to take advantage of that are, is dependent upon the decisions that they're making from a contributory standpoint right now. All right, number three, how about that pension money? The pension money is taxed much like your pre-tax 401k plan and IRA, but here's the difference. From a tax standpoint, there is no difference. So you're, you're, you're going to pay a federal tax at your ordinary bracket. The difference comes with the control because prior to RMD age, you can take money out of your IRA, you can take money out of your 401k plan, but you don't have to. Once you turn your pension on, That is guaranteed income you're going to receive every single month or every single year for the rest of your life. 
Once you turn that pension on, you cannot turn it off. And by the way, most of you don't want to because the pension is a really good income vehicle for retirees, but you don't have the control. So you have very you have less control over what tax rates you are in once you turn your pension on, once you turn your Social Security on, you because you can't turn that off. So it's taxed the same way as your pre-tax IRAs and pre-tax 401k plans. It's just you have less control because once it's on, it's on. Does that make the case for taking the lump sum if you have it available? For some people, what, what we do, and, and not everybody has the lump sum available, but it's nice if you do because that gives you more control and it gives you more flexibility. So if you're one of those who have the lump sum available instead of taking the annuity payment from your pension, now what you need to do is to conduct an evaluation and look at what the company, what the pension is offering you from an annuity payout versus what they're offering you from a lump sum. And then compare how long is it going to take you to break even with the annuity payout versus the pension or versus the lump sum. And if that number is 13, 14, 15 years, then for some of you, you're probably better off taking the lump sum as opposed to the annuity payout. But there's other factors that can come into play too. We, uh, we work with a lot of people who are single, so they don't have a spouse. And one of the disadvantages of taking the annuity payout is you need to elect a beneficiary. Not all pensions allow you to elect a non-spousal beneficiary. So if that's your type of pension, <clears throat> basically you, were, you would be forced into receiving an annuity payout for your life. But if you passed away two months after turning that on, then that pension, all that pension money has gone. So for some people in that situation, it definitely makes more sense to consider the lump sum, because if that's a $500,000 lump sum, you roll that to your IRA, you could take it out as income, live on it like you want to. But if you pass away two months later, then that can go to your, your kids or whomever you want it to. Number four, social security. This is one of those buckets that we would consider to be tax favored. And what I mean by that is if you pay taxes, federal taxes on your social security, you're going to pay it at your ordinary income level. However, you're not going to pay federal tax on 100% of your Social Security benefits. Uh, they use this this nice equation that's called provisional, here we go, my I'm buckling provisional, up. <clears throat> provisional income. Oh, and what is provisional you, income? You, you really had to ask. <clears throat> I know you love explaining it. All right, so the provisional income equation, the way this works is take 50% of what your Social Security income is. So let's say your Social Security income for the year is 20000 Take 10000 of that, 50%, and then add that to all of your other taxable resources. So if you have a pension that's coming in, uh, if you're taking out distributions from a pre-tax IRA or pre-tax 401k plan, add up all of those distributions, all of that income, and add the $10,000 from Social Security onto that number. So let's say you get $20,000 from pension and IRA, add 10000 to that, that's $30,000. That's your provisional income. Now take that $30,000 provisional income and compare that to the uh, brackets appropriate for your marital status. So if you're married and your provisional income is in excess of $32,000, now at least a piece of your Social Security income is going to be subject to tax. If you're single, that number is $25,000. So if it's north of $25,000, it's going to be taxed. So somewhere, if you're, if you're above those numbers, then it's going to be somewhere between, 20, or somewhere between 50% or 85% of your Social Security income is going to be subject to tax. So 85% is going to be taxed at the max. Which is better 
than 100% of the income from IRAs and 401k plans. Well, as my retirement planner, Lauren, I would really like my taxable income to be, you know, like $25,000 or less. So can we work on that? Yeah. So that's part of the strategy. Uh, And it is possible. Uh, Again, everybody's situation is different. For some of you, it won't be possible. For some of you, it will be possible. And we do have, we've been able to put together plans for some of our families to make it so they still have the income that they want to have to support their lifestyle in retirement, but their taxable income is below that twenty-five or $32,000 threshold, which means their Social Security income is also federally tax-free. And part of the strategies we use to do that would be the Roth conversions. And the more money that you have underneath the Roth that's tax-free, you can take income, support your lifestyle, but any of the income you take from the, the Roth IRAs does not go into that provisional income equation, which means you could be, you could be making $100,000 of income and still not pay any taxes on your Social Security because the vast majority of that is tax-free. Number five, life insurance proceeds. I think we did a show on this, Molly, didn't we? Uh, we called this one of the superheroes of retirement. Yes, whatever, I remember that. Yes, there was a cape and the word life insurance had a cape on. Yeah. Do you remember the title? The um, superhero series. Yeah. Yeah. The, life power, the power of life insurance. Power of, okay. So you could probably find that on our YouTube channel. But essentially what we talked about are one of the superpowers of life insurance is the tax-free death benefit, which means if you have a $500,000 life insurance policy, you pass away, your beneficiary will receive the $500,000 and it is received federally income tax-free. So most states will not tax life insurance also. So most likely your beneficiary will receive that $500,000 without a tax liability. Talk about an incredible infusion into somebody's retirement plan. Uh, if it's your surviving spouse or even if, you're, if, if it's your kids, it could be a great boost to their retirement savings that they will someday use federally and for most people state tax free. Number six, annuities. Okay, so when it comes to annuities, there's a if-then attached to the annuities. I'm not shocked by so that. So there's, there's a couple different ways you can take income from annuities. You can annuitize it, and then the income is taxed differently than if you just take distributions from the annuity. So which one do you want to cover first, Molly? Oh, wow. <laughs> Big question. Let's go annuitization. Annuitization. Okay, so this one is a little bit more complex because there's um, something that's called the the pro rata rule. So what this means... <laughs> what, right. what, We're going to learn a lot. What, what this means is they take a look at how much of the money underneath the annuity you have not paid taxes on. They look at the ratio of that to the amount of money in the annuity that you have paid taxes on. And then the, at the income that you receive, so let's say, let's say it's $1,000 a month that you're receiving from the annuity income. Again, it's annuitized, so you're guaranteed that over a particular period of time, let's say over the course of your life. Then the percentage of money allocated in that annuity that you have never paid taxes on before, which means you pay taxes on, that percentage is uh, the amount of income from the the $1,000 that you're going to pay taxes on. So let's say say 60% of the income in the annuity you've never paid taxes on, which means you will be taxed on 60% of the $1,000 or $600. $600. $400 is considered return of your investment and therefore is not taxed again because you've already been taxed on it. And when you say tax, ordinary income, add it to income at the end of the year, pay the taxes on it. 
Yep, ordinary income, just like IRA, IRA distributions, uh, add it to any of the other ordinary income that you receive, that is taxable. Okay. So that's if you annuitize. Now, let's say you have an annuity, you choose not to annuitize it, but you just take lump sum distributions. And you can set this up as a once per year distribution, or you can set it up monthly. So it might feel like you annuitized it, but the difference is, is that when the account value of your annuity is gone, the income's gone. When you annuitize it, you get a guarantee. When the account value is gone, then you will still continue to receive that thousand dollars a month for the rest of your life. Well, in this example, we're not annuitizing it; we're just taking the distributions. So when the account value is gone, it's gone. And the way that this works is, um, let's say that sixty percent of the the money in the annuity you have not paid taxes on yet. You take a thousand dollars a month out; you will be taxed on that full thousand dollars a month. At your ordinary income until that 60% of the balance is gone, and then it's going to be return of investment. And then the remaining portion of those payments will be tax-free because you've already paid taxes on it. So basically, you have to get through all the money that you've never paid taxes on before, and then you'll get tax-free income. Okay, one little itty-bitty question. Why is there a percentage of the money that you've paid taxes on and a percentage of the money that you haven't? So we're just assuming that this is a non-qualified annuity. It's not an IRA. If, if this annuity, because you can have an annuity underneath an IRA. So if it's underneath a pre-tax IRA, um, then everything we just talked about, throw it out the door, is taxed like an IRA. Okay, so this is an annuity that is not in an IRA, which means that you had to fund it with some money. And usually that's going to be funded from after-tax money. So it's money you've already paid taxes on. You do not want to pay taxes on that money again. Number seven, the sales of stocks and bonds. You ready for another what if? Or if and there but. Uh, sure. Ready. All right. All right. So what level of tax you're going to pay on the sale of stocks and bonds is going to be dependent upon how long did you own those securities. So if you own XYZ stock for less than 12 months, and you sell it and you realize a gain that is going to be taxed as a short-term gain. Short-term gain is taxed as ordinary income, which means just like taking it out of the IRA, just like pension income, just like the taxable annuity income, you will be subject to ordinary income tax. If you held that investment for more than 12 months and you, real, you sold it and you realized a gain, that's called a long-term capital gain. And then the tax rate you're going to pay is going to be dependent upon what your taxable income is. Um, It's possible that you could pay 0% tax on that that gain. If you are in the 12% federal tax bracket, you will pay 0% tax on long-term capital gain. And if you are somewhere between the 22 and maybe the 35% bracket federal, then you'll pay 15% tax on that gain. And then you could pay 20% if you make a a lot of money, have a lot of taxable income, and then add add the capital gain on top of that. Yeah, something like $490,000 or more, you'll pay that that 20%. That's correct. What about if you sell the stocks and the bonds at a loss? How does that work? If you sell it at a loss, then that is a capital loss, either short term or long term, depending upon the time frame that you held it. And then what you get to do is you can offset any potential gains. So, and here's the if then and all that kind of stuff too. So let's, let's say you have a long-term capital loss of $5,000. You also realize a long-term capital gain of $12,000. Then you can use that $5,000 capital loss to offset 5,000 of the 12,000 capital gain, which means you only have to pay taxes on the $7,000 difference capital gain. 
Now let's let's say you have the five thousand dollar capital loss, but you had zero long term capital gains, but you had ordinary ordinary income that you have to pay taxes on. You can take three thousand of the five thousand capital loss and use that to offset the ordinary income. So the max in any particular year is three thousand. So if you have ten thousand dollars of ordinary income. You can use three thousand offset that. So now you're paying uh, tax, ordinary income tax on seven thousand, and but you still have two thousand dollars of capital loss that you haven't used. You get to carry that over to the following year, and if you have ordinary income or capital gains, you can use that two thousand to offset any future capital gain income or ordinary income. What about some some stocks pay dividends? Does that work this, generally the same way then? Well, dividends, um, there's qualified and non-qualified dividends. So qualified dividends, based on current tax law, is going to be taxed as a, as a capital gain. So it's possible, depending upon your tax bracket uh, that you're in, you pay 0% on the qualified dividend, or you could pay 15 or 20% based on the tax bracket. If it's a non-qualified dividend, then it's paid or you pay taxes at ordinary income rates. Okay, dividends was number eight. We've got two more left. Number nine, interest-bearing accounts. You're talking about bank accounts. I'm talking about bank You're accounts. You're talking about bank CDs, accounts, CDs, money savings. markets. Check it. Okay, so interest-bearing accounts, uh, traditionally uh, known, more commonly known as bank accounts, you will pay ordinary income. So if you have $10,000 of interest on, on a $300,000 CD, you will be paying ordinary income on that $10,000 of interest in the year that you receive it. And that goes the same, whether it's a CD or a checking account or a savings account, you're going to pay ordinary income on that interest income. All right. Number 10, savings bonds. Ordinary income. It's as easy as that. So it's a lot like the income you're going to, you're going to receive from bank accounts. It's a lot like the income you'll receive from IRAs or pensions, uh, whatever, yeah, income you receive from savings bonds, add that on to your other taxable income sources and it'll be taxed at your ordinary income rate. If you didn't take this away from this podcast, you probably weren't listening very well because I just heard a lot of rules. Taxes have a lot of rules, a lot of percentages, a lot of if you're married this, if you're single that, if you make this much that. There are a lot of rules. So when I hear these rules, sometimes I think, well, there's rules. I have to play by them. I have no control. There's not much I can do about it. But I think what people can learn through this journey to retirement workshop is, yes, we have to play by the rules, but there are things you can do to maybe play in a different set of rules than the one that's taxed at the highest rate. A lot of times people will attend the online journey to retirement workshop and the feedback that they give us when they talk to us uh, on the phone, So, because we'll, we'll also offer an opportunity to connect with our team to answer any specific questions that you have that the journey doesn't cover, is they'll say, I didn't know what I didn't know. And they realize that for the first time when it comes to retirement planning, especially when it comes to tax planning because of all the legislation that is involved in tax planning and the legislative changes, is it's hard to keep up with this kind of stuff. And you could spend hours or days reading tax legislation or or reading the textbooks. Sounds I mean, like fun. Yeah, sounds like a great time. Um, and you still wouldn't get a tenth out of that material than what you need to apply to your retirement. We say you get one chance to get it right because once you retire, you don't want to have to be forced out of retirement. It's different if you decide, okay, retirement wasn't quite for me. It wasn't what I thought it was. Let me go back to work part-time or go back to work. But if, but if that's your choice. You don't want to have to be forced out of retirement. And unfortunately... 
Every time we go through a major recession, uh, many of you probably remember 2008. Many of you probably remember people who couldn't retire like they wanted to retire in 08 or had to come out of retirement because of what happened to their portfolio. And that's not what you want to have happen to you. So the online journey to retirement workshop, what it does is it takes you through retirement through the eyes of our hypothetical couple, John and Sue, and it shows you the goals that they have, which probably are a little bit different than you. But more importantly, it shows you the strategies that they can incorporate to put themselves in the best position that they can to live out their retirement dreams like they've always wanted to. And then what you can do is you can take away some of those strategies and and apply those strategies in many cases almost immediately to help impact in a positive way what it is that you're trying to do from uh, your retirement standpoint. And again, uh, we also offer an opportunity to connect with our team if you want to take advantage of that to have any specific questions answered that that you think of along the way, but also questions you may have sitting here today. Lauren, who's an ideal person to watch this Journey to Retirement online workshop? That is a great question. The strategies that we talk about in the online Journey to Retirement workshop are most intended for those within 10 years of retiring or already retired, because we're going to talk about social security maximization strategies. We're going to talk about tax mitigation strategies that pre-retirees and retirees can incorporate within their overall plan to decrease the retirement tax bill. We're going to talk about legacy planning and how to transition your assets in the most efficient way to your loved ones. And we're going to talk about this concept of what we call a recession-resistant portfolio, which means when the markets blow up, the portfolio could be down, but it shouldn't be down anywhere close to what the markets are. And what it does, it's really important for retirees who take who are taking income out of their portfolio to make sure that they're not having to sell positions when the market's at a discount just to fund their lifestyle. And unfortunately, without proper portfolio construction, a lot of retirees will handle their portfolio the same way they did when they were working. And when you were working and the portfolio was down 30%, it wasn't that big a deal. Right? As long as you hang on to it, eventually it'll come up. When you're retired and you need income from your portfolio, your portfolio is down 30% and you have to sell positions to fund your lifestyle, you're left with two choices. One is you can decrease your lifestyle, which is not fun for anybody. Or two is you can deplete your portfolio much quicker because the portfolio is being eroded by the markets and it's also being eroded by your lifestyle income. So we talk about all those different concepts. So if, if you're within 10 years of retiring or already retired, it could be ideal for you. And if you have more than $250,000 saved of retirement assets, then these strategies you're going to find really attractive because it works what, really well with that type of portfolio. To sign up for our online journey to retirement workshop, go to retirewithmerkle.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E. You can choose a time and date that works for you and then get comfortable because this is going to be a great two hours that will help get you on your journey to retirement. This podcast will also help you get on your journey to retirement. This has been Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Guess what you are subject to, Rochelle? What? federal taxes. Oh, you yeah. cannot get away from federal taxes, even if you're on fast. 